1: Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and and Celebrity Line. Happy to be joined by our Blues Insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. He is Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on the show. JR, thanks so much for uh, joining us as always, man. Let's get right into this. You wrote earlier today about the 10 greatest moments uh, for Alex Petrangelo while he was here in St. Louis. How are you going to remember the captain's time here in St. Louis?
2: Well, I think as a guy who they drafted number four overall in uh, 2008, and I was there that night, and I remember Jarmo Kekalainen saying he may not be ready right away, but eventually he's going to be a great one. And that's what he turned out to be, uh, 12 years with the Blues, over 800 games, and, of course, the Stanley Cup, the first player uh, to hoist it. And so I look back at Alex Petrangelo, and I watched him grow up, basically, inside that Blues locker room, and he became everything that they thought he was going to be.
0: Yeah, JR, we talked earlier about, you know, Alex Petrangelo behind closed doors, right? And a lot of people who go to every game or read the Twitter feeds and all that stuff, they don't truly know what kind of a guy Alex Petrangelo is. Now, you and I are lucky. We do have access to behind the curtain at times, and we've seen the way he's acted and the way he's conducted himself. How much of a change did you see in Alex Petrangelo in the last two to three years as a captain for the St. Louis Blues and – quite honestly, what he demanded of his teammates in order to make that team successful.
2: Riv, one of the toughest things to do in my job is be critical of a guy that you're going to walk into the locker room and see and talk to and ask for interviews every single day. And there were nights I remember uh, the past couple years where I didn't see that leadership and I didn't see this team come together. And maybe unfairly because he wears the C, a lot of that criticism falls on him. And, and I remember the cursor blinking on my computer and I had to say words that I didn't want to say that, Hey, maybe Alex Petrangelo will never be the leader that you thought he would be. And of course I know maybe uh, probably too much got made of it, but the incident with uh, Jamie Ben in Dallas when he's uh, sitting on Alex Petrangelo and then you see him kind of laughing Petrangelo on the bench, people who grew up watching Brian Sutter and the likes uh, they don't, they don't appreciate that. And, and they didn't see Alex as that type of uh, player. But I think that uh, the evolution of a captain and a leader has changed over the years, and, and I think that Alex eventually became that and probably more behind the scenes. Look, his type of play isn't going to uh, you know, remind you of a Brian Sutter or, or somebody like that, but what he does behind the scenes to try to communicate with the coaching staff and make sure that the team and the coaching staff are on the same page, make sure they're getting the most out of the team, uh, I think uh, is what today's captain is, and I think Alex Petrangelo did become that.
1: JR. as we look at the contract that he has now signed with the Golden Knights, he got a seven-year deal. The AAV average annual value is $8.8 million. He got a full no-movement clause. He is playing for a contender, and he got half of his salary in signing bonuses. In other words, he got exactly what he was asking for here in St. Louis, basically, and frankly, and then some. When we look back at where the negotiations were with the Blues, when basically they came to win in late Thursday night and then into early Friday morning, What do you think went wrong? How how did we get to that point? Because I think there's a lot of revisionist history that's gone on over the last 48, 72 hours. What went wrong? Why wasn't a contract ultimately agreed upon by those two sides?
2: Well, this is my first chance to kind of just sit back and and take a breath and say, okay, how did we get here? Just because it's been kind of uh, a frenzy for the the past few days and then certainly the, the past few months. You know, I think if you're going to sit back and, and look at what went wrong, it didn't happen in the last week. I think when you go back to post-Stanley Cup and probably the introduction of uh, negotiations, when are we going to talk, how often are we going to talk, what kind of money and structure are we going to talk about, I think the two sides went into it with a little bit of, uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out. I-, I think there's a worst-case Uh, scenario when you talk about Doug Armstrong of the Blues dealing with with Newport I I think that uh, you go into the negotiation thinking uh, this is something that uh, I'm going to fight and claw on and and I think Newport probably the same situation I think with uh, Alex Petrangelo he was always going to stand by the structure look we just saw that unfold and I think Perhaps the Blues uh, thought that uh, he might eventually bend on that because he wanted to to stay in St. Louis. So I think that uh, Alex Petrangelo not re-signing with the Blues and moving on to the Vegas Golden Knights, this is a situation I think that uh, started months and months and months ago, and it just got to a point where it was too personal that even if the money and the structure got similar, I I think that he was ready to move on.
1: J.R., in your opinion, and I know this is only in your opinion, uh, why didn't the Blues want to give him the no-movement clause and the signing bonus? Because, I mean, if they're willing to give the no-trade clause, there's there's not a whole lot of difference, honestly, in, in the no-movement. Um, And then with the salary bonus that he wanted, I, I just it, it, it seems strange to me that they wouldn't meet that. But I, I want to know from your perspective, from what you understand, why did they decide not to give that to him?
2: Well, I think Doug came out and said it, you know, the other night, uh, you know, saying that uh, he feels like the no movement gives the player more power than the ownership. And, you know, that's his right. That's his belief. Uh, You know, we've spoken to people around the league who said, if that's the case, then you might not be able to get and or keep you know some of these types of players, like like Alex Petrangelo. If there's a team out there, like a Vegas, that's willing to do it, and players around the league are going to watch and see that, then they are going to know that it's possible. So Doug has been able to build a, a great organization and a Stanley Cup team here. Uh, by sticking to those principles and look you got to get a, give him credit in this situation you know if you're Tom Stillman and the Blues for sticking to what he believes in because that, that's how he wants to continue to build this organization uh, but like, like you guys said if you're Alex Petrangelo and you want those things you've got the right to go elsewhere you know I understand the conversation about the no movement why it was so important to Alex Petrangelo because essentially there are some things that just weren't going to shake out that way where the no movement gives them that ton of protection but we have to keep in mind everybody has to keep in mind that these guys come into the league at 18 years old they get drafted by a city that they they, you know they they didn't follow the team they didn't grow up in the city and they come here and they put in their time and sure they get paid handsomely but when it comes time to get to free agency at age 27 they've earned the right to go uh, where they want and in Alex Betrangelo's case when you exceed that and you become a captain of a Stanley Cup team and you want a no movement clause? It doesn't matter if it gives you, you know, the things that we're talking about. Or essentially, it doesn't. If he wants that, he's earned that right. And he, like we said, he was able to find it somewhere else.
0: All right, Jr. In your opinion, now let's fast forward a little bit here. Free agency next off season, the season after that, the season after that. The way this played out publicly here and knowing the reasons or what appears to be the reasons that it didn't click for Alex Petrangelo and the St. Louis Blues, is there potential that the Blues could lose out on some big free agents in the future that they look to acquire simply because of the internal mindset of not granting heavy signing bonus contracts or no movement clauses?
2: I think there's a possibility, but you just have to be that type of player and how many Players out there are there. Well, uh, we you know, lost one. <laughs> we just lost one, and and there's a handful. Riff, so I, I think what you're presenting is valid, but what I think uh, is the bigger storyline around the league. And I'll just say this: we can debate it whether it's right or wrong. I think there's a perception of the Blues that there could be a loyalty issue. You have a guy Alex Petrangelo who put the 12 years in, who won the Stanley Cup, who did everything he was supposed to, and whether it's based on Doug Armstrong's principle or not, you know, couldn't get the full no movement and couldn't get the signing bonus money. And again, can't emphasize enough that's, uh, that's the Blues right. But I think if you're a player around the league and you see what Alex Petrangelo did for the St. Louis Blues and you see that he wasn't able to get what he'd want, then I think that does leave open some room to question, what if I were to go there? What if I were to do what Alex Petrangelo did for that organization? Would I be able... to to be re-signed. So, you know, this is, uh, I believe, somewhat open for debate. I can see both sides because Doug Armstrong has to uh, treat these things as business decisions and leave the emotion out. He's done a terrific job doing that. But I can just tell you in speaking with uh, folks around the league, there's a bit of a perception of the loyalty issue.
0: All right, JR. So now let's jump ahead a little bit here. Um, Tori Krug comes on board. They get him 6.5 annual value uh, no signing bonus there's no 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 movement clause he's on board what do we know about tory krug as, so far and what do you think the overall plan is for doug armstrong craig Baruby, as far as where he'll play in the lineup and potential partner that kind of situation
2: Yeah, Riv, this is a terrific, you know, fallback situation for the Blues. I honestly didn't think that it was possible. I felt like if you were going to give the eight, eight and a half million, you were going to give it to Alex Petrangelo. It was going to force you to shave some salary off the roster. And uh, I didn't know that they would make a play for Tory Krug, you know, at that type of AAV uh, 6.5. But to me, it's just a a shrewd move. It's, it's, you know, good on – Tori Krug for uh, seeing an opportunity here in St. Louis and good on uh, Doug Armstrong and the Blues for making it work. I think he's going to fit in great uh he's what today's nhl defenseman is we've seen that in boston uh puck mover puts up points uh, controls the power play and most importantly guys i think the balance that he gives the blues in their top four on the left side is going to be something that not a lot of people have uh, talked about uh, lately so uh, you know you you expect that colton pareco will ascend into that number one type position Uh, He could possibly play with Tory Krug, but Doug Armstrong mentioned the other day uh, you got combos there uh, where you could have Krug with uh, Justin Falk. So, you know, I think the lefty righty thing is going to work out. And I think uh, Tory Krug's ability is exactly the way that uh, Craig Bruby likes to play.
1: Uh, J.R., that's interesting because it is a little bit of a difference stylistically from what we have seen from Alex Petrangelo. Do you think that the identity changes at all with what they now have in that decork from what it was previously over the last few years?
2: A little bit just because they're different players, but I, I still think that you have you know, that tall Lanky defense, and, and maybe the evolution of it is going to change over the next couple of years when you bring in a Krug and you know if, if Scott Porinovich becomes that player, if Vince Dunn gets more ice time. But you look at Krug and Vince Dunn; they can throw their body around. So even though they're a little bit uh, undersized, they still play uh, physical. I mean, this isn't the uh, six foot four, six foot five, two twenty defense that the Blues were trotting out the past couple of years with Petrangelo and Bomeister, you know, Bortuzzo out there. Uh, but I, I still think that the way Craig Bruby wants to play uh, is pushing the tempo. And, uh, yeah, they're a little bit physical, but uh, as Craig Bruby told Tory Krug in their phone call, he said, look, we're, we're one of the top uh, scoring producing offenses from the blue line in the league, and that's what sold Tory Krug. So, yeah, a little bit of a different look. I, I do agree with that, but I still think that the, uh, the mindset is the same.
1: Jeremy Rutherford wrote a great piece earlier today over on The Athletic, the 10 greatest moments from Alex Petrangelo's time while he was with the St. Louis Blues give him a follow on twitter at JP jprutherford jr we always appreciate the time man thanks so much for hopping on with us today
2: thanks guys thanks
1: you got it that's jeremy rutherford joining us here on 101 espn